All right, we are back to podcast. Hope everyone's doing well and you've had a good day in the Lord. Appreciate all that He's done for us. <clears throat> we're going to 1 Corinthians 7 tonight. 1 Corinthians 7. We're going to jump right into this. It's, it's kind of lengthy. Um, and so we're, we're going to get through it as quick as we can. But uh, 1 Corinthians 7, Paul deals with a lot of issues in this, and he's um, he addresses some, some matters that, that we see very prevalent in our day. Uh, has always been the case, took place in the church as well. Um, so let's jump right into it, and I'll make my comments uh, and commentary as we go. Um, <clears throat> so... We start in verse number 1, 1 Corinthians 7, verse number 1. Now concerning things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man to not touch a woman. So, uh, again, there is uh, immorality, promiscuity that's taking place. We know of an adulterous affair, um, but then we've got those that are unmarried, uh, in this this scenario, as well as those whom are married to someone lost, someone that doesn't know God, and and Paul deals with a lot in these forty verses. So good for a man not to touch a woman. So uh, the matter is here being burning in in lust towards uh, a woman other than his wife, or could be vice versa. A uh, woman towards the husband, but this is the context. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, again, that, the sexual immorality and impurity, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. So this is this is plain, but here, here's what you've got to, here's the context. And this draws in some some issues as well in, in first Pete, first Timothy. Um concerning the statement husband of one wife and or you even you know it it's not a biblical statement but husband or wife of one husband um it had been a jewish practice of multiplying wives in other words you know we would call it polygamy um having many wives at one time you still see that among uh mormonism and and groups that you see it in in Islam, and and to the ancient Jew, to the ancient Hebrew, it was a custom. That's why the the Mormons um, continue to practice it because remember they are those that say they are Jews and are not. So it was a custom among Jewish people, Hebrew people. I mean, you read about it with Solomon. You read about it. With David, you read about it with uh, well, Abraham kind of got in the in a situation. Jacob, uh, so throughout you know the Old Testament, one doesn't have to read very far to read about the multiplications of marriages. Okay, uh, in other words, taking one to be his wife. There wasn't always ceremonies, you know that that come about later as a public rendition, but. In the Old Testament, it would come about as a commitment to one another and and to take, you know, one another as husband and wife and, you know, to consummate the situation, the relationship. 
So that's typically what you would see in the the Old Testament. And then, of course, you see ceremonies later. Uh, John chapter 2 is a great example where Jesus attended the, the wedding of Cana. And we read throughout the scriptures of the marriage supper of the Lamb and the marriages and, and the wedding feast. And so God ordains a ceremony. and But up until this time, you do not see a lot of it. And so what would happen is these these folks, it was their custom to multiply wives and husbands. They, they would have, or not husbands, let me rephrase that. Uh, it was typically uh, the man, the husband, that would have many wives, okay? And so that was their custom. Well, we go into the New Testament, and it's it's Paul is uh, got a Roman influence, and of course he's addressing Greeks as well. And so what is beginning to happen is these people are getting saved, you know? And as he begins to deal with the home and deal with relationships and marriages and, and so forth, Paul begins to clear up issues uh, that have kind of plagued the, the, the Jews, plagued the Hebrew race with the multiplication of wives. And here he begins to promote, you know, one wife, one husband, and, and teach that. So as he does so, he gets into a lot of issues. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. Let every man have her own woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence. Um, I know we are teaching to mixed company, uh, primarily a mixed company of adults, but that means that he is to save himself physically for her to to be. Um, Sub, not subservient to be, but to be available, physically speaking, for his wife, and vice versa, the wife towards the husband, and also the wife unto the husband, verse 3. Now, we'll get into the rest. It, this is a, it's a good chapter. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. So they, you know, they've become one, and and that's whom their allegiance and alliance is to. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time. This term defraud would would mean to abstain, to stay away from, and this is physical relationship. And the Bible is Paul is teaching here that they are not to use that as a means of manipulation or tax tactics or to get what you want or to hold it over one's head. In fact, he is very, very plain in this to defraud or to not not come together. Okay, let's just, just to put it like that. Uh, you not one or the other except it be with consent. So both parties have agreed, okay, we're going to take a break physically for prayer, for fasting, for hearing from God. Uh, whatever the situation, but it would be consensual between the two, and and that, I'm talking about the time apart. Defraud you not one another, except it be with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. So, in other words, that they are 
not to use the physical relationship as a as a tool, as a weaponize to weaponize it or or manipulation or anything of that matter. In fact, the Bible really is given the only authorization to withhold the physical relationship from one another, husband or wife, wife or husband, is if they have both consented and they have both, for the reason, the sole purpose of prayer and fasting. I mean, I'm just, I'm telling you what the Bible says. And so, verse number uh, 7 uh, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. So, to be incontinent would to be not have control. And Paul is saying there, if you two, uh, you know, choose to do this or, or use it for manipulative purposes, then Satan can get in the relationship and gain an advantage in the relationship because the two are not uh, properly in physical contact with one another, okay? So there you go. That, that's pretty plain talk. Verse 6, But I speak this by permission and not of commandment. Now, that's, poor. that's that's tough right there, okay? Now, the Word of God is complete commandment. The Word of God is, is His words. But what Paul is saying here is... is it's not necessarily gray area, but it is something that I'm giving you as a guide, as a guide for a better life, a better home, a better marriage, a better Christian experience, a better walk. That's what he's saying. I speak this by permission, not by commandment. And so Paul is about to lay forth a guide on marriage, relationships, home, life, physical, intimate, all of this. And verse 7, uh, For I would that all men were even as of myself. Okay, right there. Paul, at this time, does not have a wife. Now, much debate has went on concerning Paul's marital status. We know that he does not have a wife in this writing. Some believe, according to reading between the lines here, that he put away his wife upon his salvation because he would be required to have a wife. He would, he, he would naturally have a wife with the offices that he held uh, within Jewry, you know, be, being a Jew, a Hebrew. But in chapter 7 here, he's saying... Look, I, I'm not married, and, and I would that everyone remain as I. In other words, Paul's life was solely dedicated, completely consecrated to God. And he said, I would. That means I wish. It's not. And, and look, in verse 6, he's, he's saying this is, I'm speaking this by permission. It's not a commandment. Okay. And then the very next verse, I would that all men were even as myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God. So the what Paul's saying is, is for one to be able to remain in the state as he is, and that is unmarried at this time, would be a gift that God would give him to be able to do so. But he recognizes that not every man has that gift. 
Not every man is going to be able to remain unmarried, nor will every woman be able to remain unmarried. The Bible says, for it is not good for man to be alone. Now, this is, you're not commanded to be married. You're not commanded to remain unmarried. Paul said, I would that or I wish that, but it's a gift. He recognizes that to, to because I'll tell you, you know, in concerning my situation, I know in in my marriage with, you know, before with my children and so forth in the mountains, that I, you know, I'm a, I'm a much older man now than I was then, and, and then I was young and full of zeal and so forth, and I remember reading a quote by D.L. Moody, and he said, you know, it remains to be seen what God can do with a man that was completely, solely consecrated unto him. I want to be that man. And boy, that hit me. And I wanted, I remember as a young man, I thought, I'm going to be that man. I'm, that's me. And and I did. I did. I, God, I, I, um, you know, I, I completely, it was God, God, Bible, God, Bible, God, Bible, God, Bible, God, Bible. And perhaps, perhaps, and, and you know, the judgment seat will tell and show, maybe to uh, the the hurt or, or at least to the, um, not, I don't want to necessarily say detriment, but at least to the hurt of uh, my relationship with, with my former wife, you know, and, and it wasn't that I was bad or mean, but I, I'm telling you, I was completely, I would be in the study eight plus hours a day, every day. Then, you know, I was a full-time pastor, so I visited and things like that all the time. But I, I mean, what, what you all get, because now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm three jobs with, with the pastorate, so my study is not eight hours a day. So what you all are getting is a result of spending years, years studying more than eight hours a day, sometimes 12 hours a day. Just I couldn't get enough of it. I couldn't get enough of it. And so that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, he said, if you have the gift, you know, that's how Paul, Paul's completely kind. If you have that gift to remain unmarried, then then that's what that's what he's saying is a great thing if you're completely de- dedicated to God. But he's also recognizing every man doesn't have that gift because when God created man, he created him and said it is not good for man to be alone, so he made a helpmate for him. And so giving him companionship and friendship and things of that nature. So Paul's talking about this. So he says here for verse 7, For I would that all men were even as myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. So to the unmarried and widows, he's saying it's good if you, he's not commanding it. He's not commanding either way. He's not commanding to remain unmarried. He is not commanding to marry. He said it's good now, I will say this. I, I've seen preachers go through a divorce or maybe their wife passed away. And they took the husband of one wife uh, statement and they interpreted that 
in terms, well, I've seen it so many ways, but some interpret it, say, okay, that's it. Uh, you can't do this because, you know, you had this wife and you don't. Well, if you had this wife past tense, you don't have her now due to either divorce or death. If you recall when Jesus was speaking to uh, the woman at the well, he said, Thou hast had five husbands spoke concerning all of them in the past tense. Meaning he's not recognizing them as their, as her husband now. Okay, so that God does recognize uh, divorce in in three three ways. You know, if the marriage was physically violated, in terms of someone, uh, you know, cheating and things like that, or physically departing, and that's what we'll address in this chapter: the departing the marriage, or legally filing for the bill of divorcement. And so, in those instances, God is saying the Bible recognizes it. It's not saying it's the will of God. It's not saying it's what he wants or chooses, but he he does understand that that is past marriage. It's no longer a marriage. So Paul may have put away his wife. We we don't know. She may have left. We don't know. Uh, Chances are she left, okay, according to the way this will read. But if they cannot contain, or it says unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. In other words, he's saying if you can't, if you don't have this gift of being being without a spouse, without a partner the rest of your life, then it's better to marry than to burn, and of course burn would be in your flesh with those physical desires. Verse 10, and unto the married, I command yet not I, but the Lord. Now, do you notice the difference here? In verse 6, he says, I speak by permission, not by commandment. Then he comes to verse 10, and he says, this is not my commandment, this is the Lord's. So now we're getting into commandment territory. None to the married, I command not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. So that's the command. He's given that command. But and if she depart. So he is leaving the door open there for reality. That it's going to happen. And it does happen. And it has happened. And God help, it's a heartbreaking and heartrending. And, and you know, I, I, I never... When when divorce happened to me, then I understood the pain of it. Where I mean, and it's 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 the most painful thing you can possibly go through, outside of of a death. If you know, if you value the relationship and the marriage, and sometimes people that have never been through that cannot deal with that sensitively and gracefully and graciously to other people. They're they're arrogant. They're rude. They're they they don't you know they're very. Um, self-righteous concerning the matter. I can't say that there wasn't times I might have been self-righteous. I would, I never would have been ungracious or arrogant or rude about it, but maybe self-righteous. And you know what happens to you and things change a little bit. And so he that is without sin among you cast the first stone and they couldn't nobody do that. So that's what Jesus said. But he says here, um, but and if she depart... Let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. Let not the husband 
put away his wife. Okay, so he's saying if if they depart to, all right, you made your decision, but I'm telling you, if you just made this decision based on you don't want to be with this person, you the woman he's telling her it's best that you remain unmarried because you've you've left with with no good reason. You've left with no biblical standard, with no biblical reason behind it. But to the rest, speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. So now we've got the situation of the saved and the unsaved together. We've got a brother, someone saved, and we've got a wife who is unsaved and he says if she depart if she depart look at this or if he's first of all he makes this statement it's okay to dwell with her you've made the vows you got saved she didn't get saved or maybe you were saved and and you just got into this situation and you probably shouldn't have but it's saying if she is willing to live with you because when now your obedience is to Christ and your dedication is to Christ, and I I know sometimes if your complete allegiance to is to Christ, then that don't always sit well with the spouse, especially an unsaved spouse. Okay, now watch this. Ver, let him not put her away. So if she wants to stay, she's going to stay. You're going to keep her. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. So that's the command to the to the saved with the unsaved. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified. That does not mean saved. That means set apart. That means he's got a set apart or she's got a set apart place that God will give them that opportunity that they actually live with a Christian witness. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. So God is saying, look, you've got a saved party in this relationship. So that doesn't mean the children are are damned necessarily to hell from the beginning. They've got a, a wonderful opportunity to be saved and to be exposed to the word of God. Verse 15, but if the unbelieving depart... Let him depart. Let him depart. If the unbelieving leaves for whatever reason, let him go. Let him go. It's hard. It's heartbreaking. It's heartrending. It's something that will change your life and the course of your life forever. But you got to let him go. A brother or a sister. Now, this refers back to the saved is not under bondage in such cases. So if you if you lived in with someone in that manner and that unbelieving depart partner departs, they don't want it, they don't want it. it. The Bible is clear, it can't be any more clear. Let them depart. And a brother and a sister is not under bondage in these cases. It wasn't them. It wasn't on them. You didn't want it. You didn't choose it. But it come your way so you're not being held to to the law of bondage of not being able to move forward with your life, even another marriage. There's no bondage there. There's not a command to marry, but there is not a command to forbid marriage. 
There's no bondage there whatsoever in this case. So the Bible says, um, For if the unbelieving depart, let him depart, a brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. God hath desired us to have peace. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or what? how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all churches. Is any man called being circumcised, let him not become uncircumcised. Is any man called uncircumcision, let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping of the commandments of God. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he is called. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise, also, he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. So he is saying there, in Christ, you've got a job, a duty, a role to fulfill. Fulfill it whether you have a spouse or whether you don't. Whether you've been circumcised or whether you haven't been. If you've got a role and a call of God in your life, you are under obligation to Jesus Christ no matter what. And if, if you're not under bondage, you do choose to get married again, you still got a role to fulfill. If, you, if you're married, you've got a role to fulfill. If, if you're unmarried and you choose to remain unmarried, you've got a role to fulfill. That is what Paul is driving home. If you're circumcised or you're not circumcised, you've got a role to fulfill. And I've determined that in my heart. No matter what my status, my situation, my you know where I'm at in life, in, in, in the carnal, earthly, physical sense, I'm going to serve God in, in whatever capacity He allows me to do so in. All right, verse 25. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandments of the Lord, yet I give my judgment as one that obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be. Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. So he's saying this should not be your, your focus, Okay. If you got one, great. Keep her. Don't, don't be loose. Keep him. Don't be loosed. If you don't, then you shouldn't spend your time seeking after that. But hold on. Now watch this. But and if thou marry. So do you notice the way this is all phrased? It's not that it's hypothetical, but he leaves so many doors open and he bases it all on this is not commandment. This is suggestions and guidances. And so he's saying, don't spend your time seeking and don't spend your time trying to be loosed. But if, you, if you're loosed and you do marry, so do you see that? He's, he's allowing for that in this chapter. But in if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. Now, how this crowd can get the husband of one wife, you know, I, I, I don't have a clue. Here's the funny thing about this husband of one wife crowd or not recognized as a second marriage crowd or what have you. 
They'll always take these people's tithe checks. They want them as... I've seen... Listen to me. I've been around this thing a long time. I've seen preachers have have an older or you know middle-aged or couples that have a couple that has been divorced two people start courting they get along they want to get married and I've seen preach I know preachers personally that have told those folks they could not marry them sent them off to another church or another preacher to marry them and then accepted them back into membership on their roll and cash their tie checks every week. That is bold-faced, lying hypocrisy. If you're not going to marry this couple, then then and you send them down the road to let some other preacher preach to or, or marry them, then just let them stay there and don't don't put them those people under that kind of pain and hurt and shame and hypocrisy for something that's happened in their life and they're trying their best by the grace of God to move forward. Don't do it. That is weak and cowardly and most of the time it's it's worried about what some brother or sister in Christ or in Christ, I say in Christ, what somebody in the church is going to say. That's a fact. I have seen that, witnessed that in my 28 years going on now of being saved and part of the church. And it's not right. Because the Bible is clear here. Thou hast not sinned. Thou hast not sinned. Verse 28. But and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. I tell you who's sinning in this. Those that have the self-righteous, judgy attitude over the matter that have never been through it in their lives. And I'll tell you, you better thank God that you have it. And if you do so, you'll be wanting the same grace that you didn't allow for others. Take it from me, I know. I know that. All right. And if a virgin Mary, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh. But I spare you. He said, if you choose not to be married, you're going to have problems in your flesh. I.e., I.e., Roman Catholic priests, Roman Catholic nuns, and all of the abuses. Now, having said that, and we won't go there today, but you remember when Paul wrote to Timothy, and I've quoted it many times, he said, when they command you to abstain from marriage and abstain from eating meat, that is a doctrine of devils. And that's why you see the abuses. All right, trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that they both that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoiceth not, and they that buy as though they possesseth not, and they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. What he's saying now is get your focus on Christ. Whether you're married, whether you're unmarried, whether you get a wife, whether you, you don't get a wife, whether you have a husband or get a husband, if, if God allows it to come into your life, wonderful, serve God either way, no matter what. But I would have you without carefulness. Verse 32, he that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. And therein is where you talk about and see the dual um, realities. 
And and so he's not saying that if you're married, you shouldn't please your wife. He's saying just understand that that when you're married, there's going to be kind of not necessarily split loyalties, but uh, split time and split attention. Verse 34, there is difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit, but that she is married, careth for the things of the world, as she may please her husband. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that you may attend upon the Lord without distraction. But if any man think that he behaveth himself uncomely toward a virgin, if she pass the flower of her age, and need so require, let him do what he will. He sinneth not, let them marry. Let them marry. Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity. So if you have the gift... And you don't have that need. It's even called a need. It's The Word of God calls it a need here. It says necessity. Having no necessity, but hath power over his own will, has so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin doeth well. So then he that giveth her in marriage doeth well, but he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. So there, I've just given given the okay and the grace to the divorced, and right here he's given okay and grace to the widowed, only in the Lord, so it should be of the Lord's will. But she is happier if she so abide after my judgment. And I think also that I have the Spirit of God. So, there you go. Great chapter. Answers a lot of questions. Paul leaves the door open for a lot of things, but after every statement that he makes, he prefaced it with not a commandment, but then he also prefaced it with this thing's about Jesus, this thing's about serving Jesus. However you can best serve Jesus, remain clean right before God, right before Jesus, that's the state that you need to be in. All right, we spent a lot of time uh, in 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians 7, I love each one of you. Keep serving Jesus no matter what state you are there in. Serve Jesus. All right, I love you all. We will be in 1 Corinthians 8 next Sunday night. Uh, this Wednesday night, we'll have Bible study, and we'll be talking about, in that Bible study, Um, standing versus state. So have a great week, and I love each one of you. Good night.